This is Michael Muth with uh, Going Global International Interviews. We are speaking today with Cor Herzog, the Deputy Consul General in charge of Trade and Cultural Affairs at the Consulate General of the Kingdom of the Netherlands here in Chicago. And just going to talk about uh, the Dutch business community here in the Midwest. So, Cor, to start off, who are your clients and how do you serve them? Um, our clients are the, uh, the Dutch uh, business community in the Netherlands, uh, mainly small and medium-sized enterprises. Um, and what we do is we assist them in any way we can to uh, come and get to the market here in, in the U.S. and then specifically in the Midwest. The Consulate General in Chicago have a sporting state in the Midwest, ranging from uh, North and South Dakota to, uh, to Tennessee and around the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, are there any particular industries that you serve, or is it any at all? Um, you can imagine that a, a large area like this, which we cover, which is 55 times the size of the Netherlands, uh, with about uh, with it five times our population, is a huge market. Um, and there's me and my colleague, Herbert Wenning, and we cover this whole area. Now, you can imagine we can't cover every industry, every product, every service in this area. So what we've come up with is, um, together with our network in the U.S. Uh, and our colleagues in Canada, uh, which are based in, uh, in the U.S., in Miami, Los Angeles, New York, Washington, and here in Chicago, um, is that we've looked at a number of sectors that we feel that the Netherlands is good at, that we have something to, to present, which is value, uh, and that we feel there's a market for here. Um, which doesn't mean to say that uh, any company in the Netherlands that knocks on our door and doesn't fall within those sectors, we won't help them. We will help anyone, but to give you an idea how it works, um, any company that is in the sectors that we, that we deal with, and, and the sectors are, just to name a few, uh, renewable energy, environmental technology, uh, a lot of things related to climate change issues, uh, green building, uh, IT, life sciences, biotech, that sort of thing. Creative industries is, is one that's come up uh, uh, a couple of years as well. The architecture, for instance, and design in the Netherlands is, is very hot. Um, in those sectors, we try to stay on top on what's happening in our area. So we'll, uh, we'll review, we'll go to networking events, we'll go to seminars, we'll go to discussions, trade shows in those fields, and we make sure we have a network. So any company in, let's say, green building uh, approaches us and says, you know, uh, I have a business product. Um, what do you think? Would that be a market for it? Um, we'll just, we can advise them immediately because we know what's happening in that market. Mm -hmm. um, would it be someone who sells cookies and wants to sell them here in the Midwest? I will definitely be able to help him, but I have not a ready-made set of information available. There's no data immediately available. We can look into that, we can look what kind of networks you are, but that's obviously a little bit more work. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> is there any specific talent of services that you offer? In other words, particular research products? I mean, I think the networking in and of itself is very valuable on behalf of your clients, but is there a specific set of services that you offer yeah. as well? Yeah, we, um, we're part of what, uh, what is called the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, which is the State Department. Um, at a federal level, and... Um, the State Department or Department of Commerce? No, the State Department. Okay. Um, that's the consulate part of the State Department. 
yet we have this agreement with our uh, Ministry of Economic Affairs, our foreign trade agency, and that the work that we do as trade officers is directly linked to the foreign trade for the foreign trade agency. Um, now, products, there are, there's a whole variety of products. Um, we have for uh, small and medium-sized enterprises in the Netherlands, uh, the foreign trade agency available uh, with a network of chambers of commerce through which all sorts of information uh, is, is uh, able, to, we're able to, uh, to supply them with that uh, on, on markets, on products, on countries, on regulations per country, per sector, uh, trade shows, what have you. So that's just a informational type of service. On top of that, we also have certain subsidies. The Dutch government has set aside a, 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 a number of um, uh, euros, I should say, I wouldn't say dollars, but euros, of course, um, which are specifically <coughs> at the moment they are, yes. Um, uh, which is, uh, the budget is then sort of divided into different types of subsidies and, and support uh, opportunities, which could mean there's a, there's a budget for uh, going to uh, up-and-coming markets or new markets. Uh, there's a budget for going to Africa, for instance. There's budgets in particular areas. There's going to be what was called the Creative Challenge Call to, to support and to drive creative industries to go abroad with that sort of thing. There are uh, a number of other ones. One of them is called To Get There, uh, which is really um, a vehicle for a number of companies within a certain sector, for instance, to get together and to realize that together they can present a stronger type of case. Um, I can give you an example in that. Um, as you might know, the Netherlands is uh, for, for uh, at least a third under uh, sea level. Uh, so we have a large and very well developed uh, water related uh, structure for companies, technology, in institutes, uh, research, and what have you. There's, there's an organization called the Netherlands Water Partnership. They've been very much involved in putting together one of those projects on which you get there. Uh, which means that uh, they bring together, they identify a market, an opportunity, a country. Um, one of them, and, and it's very, it's very um, close to home here in the U.S., New Orleans. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the Gulf region there was, was hit by, uh, by, by the hurricanes before the few years ago, and we were actually asked to come in by the local people there. Our embassy in Washington, here in Chicago, we had a seminar, we added uh, uh, a two-hour session on, uh, on living below sea level, New Netherlands and New Orleans. And from there, it's really taken off, and this whole Netherlands Water Partnership combined a number of uh, companies in the Netherlands and research institutes and brought that as a package that speaks to, uh, to New Orleans and Louisiana. And out of it has come uh, also its cooperation. Uh, our ministry uh, that deals with water issues in the Netherlands has got a memorandum of understanding with the, uh, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers. They work together. Um, we've had Dutch companies being very successful in uh, getting contracts on, out there to, to help out with uh, creating a better environment for, uh, for, the, for the next hurricane season, hopefully. And, and that sort of thing. But this whole project of to get there is one of the uh, 
type of subsidy there is. It, it's subsidy, it's, it's trade diplomacy, you could say, it's, it's bringing uh, uh, delegations over and connect them with the network that you create. So it's not always about money, just giving them a, uh, a pot of money and they will off you go to the US. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, whole, um, uh, a whole project which has various ways of promoting the Dutch, uh, the Dutch water partnership. That can be done on any, if, if you have any, any uh, sector that comes together and says, well, we want to go to China and in this particular waste management because A, B, and C, and they come with a good plan, then they will be supported. Um, other other uh, things do involve, don't involve money necessarily. What, what uh, we do here in the US and what I do uh, with, together with my colleague Herbert is a company approaches us and says, you know, I, uh, can you help me with finding a distributor or what is the market like or where, where should I go? What we first suggest to them is to do a market scan. And obviously they're often small companies which don't have the time the staff or, or the money to do all that work. So what we suggest is then go to the foreign trade agency in the Netherlands. They will do an intake, and if it's determined that this company is serious about it and not to just, you know, we want to go to the states. Just as a, as a thing. To be smart. I know, I know. <laughs> then um, basically, what we do, we then our foreign trade agency in the Netherlands will give us. Um, the whole case and we put together based on what they want, what kind of information they're looking for, we put a market scan together, which is not comparable to what you would find with any consultant that would do that for your attorney here, law firm, um, because it's really meant to sum up what is the market, what is the volume of the market, who are the main competitors, uh, what are the trade shows, what are the organizations, and we put in there a number of possible contacts for them as a matchmaking session. So first point of contact that they can, they can talk to. It's a free service. So, so it's our time that we invest to help them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Um, now, I did see something called the Netherlands Front Office on your website. Yes. Tell us a little more about yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's not necessarily trade-related, but it does have uh, a, a number of trade-related issues. Um, as I mentioned, we have a number of uh, missions uh, here in the U.S. Uh, and in Canada. Um, the, the two embassies, obviously, and about uh, seven consulates: uh, Toronto, Vancouver, and um, Montreal. On top of the ones that I already mentioned in the U.S. And you can imagine that every mission gets the same questions over and over and over again every day: so What do I need for a visa? Or what time you open? What's your address? Uh, I want to I wanna export to the Netherlands, or I want to import into the US. What, what, all those sort of standard questions that come back every day, every week, frequently asked questions. So what we said was, you know, what we want to do is a pilot project. We've done this now for a year and a half. Um, set up a, a call center, really. Um, so we called it the Netherlands Front Office. We created a database of these frequently asked questions. And doesn't matter which mission you call, in the US or Canada, you will automatically end up here in Chicago, because they're based here in Chicago. Um, they're just a few doors down the corridor. Um, and they will answer your question. And what we found was that once they are not a frequent, when it's not a frequent ask question, um, they then get connected to the officer, the right officer at the right mission who can immediately answer the question or take it from there. 
Um, what we found was that 82% of the calls that we normally would get at each individual mission have been answered here. So you can imagine imagine the pressure, the work pressure uh, at the uh, at the different functions and embassies has been tremendously reduced. Um, and we've had very good results as well in the sense or replies from people they were surprised to get someone a person on the phone to answer their question rather than end up in a telephone tree with an automated message. So it's it worked on both levels that we wanted to reduce the work pressure at the definition. We wanted to inform our clients uh, the people who ask us questions about the measurement in a uh, quick and also reliable way that says, you know, now everyone always gets the same answer and so you might get a slightly different answer in LA from Vancouver or whatever. So it's harmonized, it's faster and uh, it's, it's yeah, the clients are quite happy with it. government comparative efficiency? We try. Yeah. Um, now, you already mentioned you served 14 Are there any specific problems that you help your clients solve? In other words, if they have a problem, you know, what do they come to you with to solve? Oh, that, that can vary. Um, a problem can be that you would have a businessman who ends up in, uh, in Minneapolis, flies from the Netherlands to Minneapolis, and it turns out he hasn't got the right type of visa. Um, and because you know, we, we are under a visa waiver program as such, uh, the Netherlands uh, citizens, so we can stay here for three months as a tourist, uh, which means that you can do business as well as long as you don't settle here, of course. Um, and you know, we, had a, we, had a, we had a guy who uh, turned out to have an office and he didn't live here permanently, but you know, they found out and he was sent back. Um, it's, um, so that's, that's more of an extreme case. There aren't really that many problems. We've had one case where there was a supplier here in Illinois who wasn't paying his bills to this Dutch company or said they, they shipped all their stuff to China and then they haven't, or they spent the wrong stuff. And then, so what we try is, is we, we're not really, this is a legal matter. So we try to mediate initially on a, on a, a very friendly level so to, to, to bring people together so to solve it in an amicable way. But once it gets to a stage where it really becomes a problem and it becomes a legal puzzle, that, then we step away and we, all we can do is just advise the Dutch company on perhaps who to talk to where to go, and which kind of organization they should be uh, informed about it. Mm -hmm. um, now, and you mentioned an initial market scan is free for this mm -hmm. company. Are there any services for which you charge, and if so, what are those rates? Yeah, we don't charge here. At the point. Anything we do is free. Mm -hmm. So, and even every uh, service that we provide on the Dutch side, because that's where a lot of the initial contacts happen when, when a company wants to go to the US or anywhere in the world, they often end up talking to a foreign trade agency. Uh, but there are no charges for anything. So ultimately, paid for by Dutch taxpayer dollars. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and can you give an example of a company that you've helped here out of the Chicago office, either a Dutch company coming here, sure. although it doesn't sound like you help many Chicago companies going to the Netherlands. No, it's, it's, well, you know, it, it works both ways, of course. Uh, the way we look at it is that uh, what we try to do is to uh, enhance the economic activity 
between our two countries. And you do that with coming in and going out. So it doesn't matter really which way it goes, both countries should benefit. Uh, it should never be uh, a hit and run. We always say to the company as well, don't go to that trade show, get a contract signed and never talk to your client again. You know, it's, it's on an ongoing basis, make sure it's a, it's a mutual benefit and then keep coming back. Um, but what we are primarily concerned with is to bring Dutch companies here and assist them to set up shop here or to sell their products here. Um, we have a, a specialized agency within our, uh, within our system which is called the Netherlands Foreign Investment Agency. They're here in our office, again a few, a few doors down, uh, and they really specialize in uh, identifying American companies who are looking to invest in Europe. And then obviously it's their job to give as much information as they can to uh, have that company hopefully decide to set up in the Netherlands. And in that way, they, they compare. It depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for a distribution company, uh, distribution headquarters, European headquarters, then the Netherlands is a very good location. But it also depends on the company itself where it puts its, yeah, uh, its focus. Is it the tax? Is it the, the availability of uh, skilled labor? Is it the distribution side of the Netherlands? So it could be that they might want to go to the language and end up in Ireland or England. And then find out, well, if you have to distribute all your stuff from the UK to the mainland Europe, oh, we should have been in Holland, for instance. So it, it, it all depends a little bit, but there are a number of things. But, uh, Joe, it, it would be good to, to talk to the NFAA themselves. But um, a company, so a company that, that we've helped recently, that was your question, um, I, I can. I had two examples. One was a Dutch company in the automotive sector, uh, Silklaw. They make convertible roof parts. And what happened was that um, the, uh, their, um, uh, the, the company they supplied to um, out of Detroit um, said to them, you know, we, are so, we have such good business with each other now, we want you to be close to us to ensure short delivery and, and backup and whatever they have wrong. Um, so they were looking, they came to us and said, you know, can you help us? So we introduced them to a number of people, uh, we introduced them to, uh, to, to attorneys who could help them, we took a set of contracts and other liabilities, um, we introduced them to, uh, to South South Chicago here, a company that they could possibly join up with, because they were already something that had a similar sort of operation. In the end, um, they did decide to come to the US and set up shop here, but not in this area. They ended up in Alabama. Uh, and why Alabama? Um, they got a very good deal there with a lot of incentives from the local government, um, which wasn't the case here. So, so there you go, yeah. Um, another one which, uh, which uh, falls in many categories exactly in what we do and how I explained earlier what we focus on. Um, last uh, year, March, I met a company in the Netherlands because what we also do is Every so often we go to the Netherlands, we have what we call uh, days where we are available for companies to come and talk to us, and if they want information, we're there. Um, I, I met with one of the com- with a company called Semperview, and they are uh, a company that makes materials for green roofs. And of course, immediately, you know, Chicago is the green roof city of the U.S., and uh, sustainability and green building being such a predominant sort of thing in the Chicago area. And, and one of the focus areas for us 
we were immediately possible to link them, to give them the information they needed. To, when they came over, very quickly after we met in March last year, they came over to Chicago, we managed to link them up with the right people, make all sorts of appointments for them. And they came back a number of times, they got so enthusiastic about it. And they are now uh, in the process of finalizing, setting up a, uh, an operation here in Chicago, um, which, which is split in two ways, because of the climate in Chicago, uh, you can't really grow, there's not a very large, gro- long growing season of course. So what they've done is they've uh, teamed up with a Dutch uh, immigrant farmer who will grow their materials, their plants, uh, their blankets, it's really a blanket of, of green uh, seeding. Um, he will grow it in West Virginia. Once it's halfway during the process, they will bring it over to Chicago to finalize it, the growing and use that area here, which we're trying to find now as a, uh, as a marketing and PR and showroom. So, you know, within a year, uh, and this, this, I think this summer, the first sort of products will be on the market. Um, and as we focus on green building, we have uh, connections with, uh, with the city, with the state, uh, with architects, um, builders, that really brings them right into a network that is very useful for them. It's, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yes, yes. I mean, there are different systems, different systems of, of green roofs. Um, some are in trays. Uh, some are, are slightly different. This is a slightly different and perhaps innovative uh, way of looking at it, and, and uh, very competitive in pricing as well. <coughs> Possibly. I think it's a combination of factors where the Netherlands has always been very strong in the agricultural sector. Um, flowers um, is, is one of our big things, of course. Um, I think we're one of the biggest potato exporters in the world as well. Uh, or at least, up, the uh, at, at least up there. Uh, okay. <laughs> the, Irish, the Irish eat them. Uh, uh, well, so, so do we. Well, that's a big family. Yeah, I know. But it's also a sustainable and environmental technology is something that we've always embraced. We're always, because of the water, uh, we've always been combating the water, always combating the climate and, and everything. So for us, climate change is a big deal. Uh, we see the dangers ahead of us, we, we feel uh, that we need to tackle those problems, and we're a small country, and one of the other areas that I really try to promote is, is waste management. It's another field that we are uh, very developed in compared to uh, the US. Uh, just to give you an example, um, we landfill about 2% of our waste, and um, the US, I think, is somewhere in the 70% figure that is, uh, that is landfill. And there are explanations for that. We're a small country. Well, we have technology, um, there's a waste to energy company that uh, has a, a zero waste plant. So every, all the waste that goes in there, there's nothing comes out but a, bit, a little bit of smoke out of the stack, which um, is almost vapor, almost 100% vapor. There's, there's, so it's, they make limestone bricks out of it, they make uh, grade A concrete, uh, renewable energy comes out of it, uh, they use the fly ashes, 
the technology out of Milwaukee to turn it into pellets which can be used in tarmacking asphalt for roads. Um, silver comes out of it, gold comes out of it. It's, it's, it's actually a money maker for the city of Amsterdam. Um, so that's very interesting. Um, so there you go. We just really have to tackle all these problems because we're a small country and we can't do those in landfills. We can't you know, move to another area. We can't sprawl like you can here in the US. And you can learn a lot from those kinds of things. Right, now, moving from your trade office operations here to some more general issues between the Netherlands and the U.S., why should Americans invest in the Netherlands? Well, I think that's, that's probably the easiest way to, to answer that is talk to your American colleagues. Because the U.S. is the largest investor in the, in the Netherlands. Um, and, and just in other words, more than the Brits? More than the Brits, yeah. The U.S. is the largest investor in the Netherlands. And just the opposite figure is, is quite impressive too, and I think, because the Dutch, in a country of only 16, and one six million people, we are the fourth largest investor in the US. And that's something that a lot of uh, people don't realize. Well, we don't necessarily boast about it. We, I could give you a number of companies or products that people don't even realize are Dutch. So, there you go. Um, well, the Netherlands, though, it, it, it's it offers advantages of multiple business solutions, uh, European distribution centers, European headquarters, marketing and sales offices. Uh, the location in the Netherlands is, the location of the Netherlands is very strategic from a distribution point of view. Uh, our hinterland is, is huge. We have all the facilities there to, to promote that. We, we, we usually call it the gateway to Europe. And, um, Again, that there are a number of other issues that the taxation, the disabled tax treaty between the Netherlands and the U.S., uh, the rest of the world, the Dutch ruling practice, uh, proximity to clients, the central location in Europe, of course. Excuse me, what do you mean by Dutch ruling practice? Um, the Dutch tax office has a very um, good way of working with businesses to rule in a favorable way with the company. Okay. So in other words, is it code law or case um, law or? I, I think it is coded, but you know, again, if you want to get more specifics on the, talk to my my colleagues at the Foreign Investment Agency. Um, yeah, the image the image of the Netherlands is, uh, is 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 very positive on the whole. It's a neutral country. We uh, we're a founder of the European Union. Um, we speak multiple languages. English English is a, a widely spoken language. We have a number of universities and, and colleges in the Netherlands who uh, offer hundreds, literally hundreds of different courses in English. So you could easily study there and you don't have to speak a word of Dutch almost. Um, but uh, there you go. It's a stable business climate. Um, for instance, 87% of the population speak English. And 91% of the population not with the three form foreign language. So 87% may be higher than here in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be, it could be. I don't know what it is. You know, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, okay, and I guess back to trade. Mm -hmm. Why should Americans export to Holland? Um, I understand that's the reverse of your world. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 of course. But, well, at the moment, I mean, it's, it's the best way to to, um, to do that because of the euro and dollar. I mean, a number of years ago it was, was reversed, of course. Um, it is for Dutch companies um, still 
possible to, to make a buck here selling their wares and products. It's a number of uh, products that are sold on the American market, we compete on quality as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, selling to, to Europe, the Eurozone, at least at the moment, is for American companies uh, very favorable. Absolutely. Um, now, are there any particular new technologies that are coming out of the Netherlands? You've spoken to mm-hmm. green buildings. Are there any other specific things that are in vogue in the Netherlands these days? Um, I mean, you mentioned information technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there any particular information technologies where the Netherlands is from? Um, Gaming is one of the areas that we're, uh, funny enough, uh, quite strong in. Um, we, uh, we cover that on the IT side, but also through the creative industry uh, arena. Um, I know that uh, the Holland uh, automotive sector, the Dutch automotive sector, has uh, very high-tech applications that they are developing. Uh, think of uh, um, guidance. Uh, it's, all, it's all the IT which is in the car, but also on the road. Um, yeah, those are the things, but also uh, you know, things that are in in the surface of the road to guide the car. And you might have heard about this, that you know, in case I fall asleep, you know, I'll, I'll wave it to the left a little bit, the signal will go and no, it wakes you up. It's not necessarily only the Dutch that do that, of course, but um, we, we do think about these things. Renewable energy, uh, hybrid uh, um, uh, fuels and natural things. Um, and, and like I said, waste management brings a number of segments. It's, a lot of it uh, is, is related to climate issues mm-hmm. and planning issues and building issues. Um, so, yeah, it all comes back to combating nature or working with nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a lot of technology <laughs> to combat Mother Nature. Absolutely, yes. You, you, you can't beat it, so you have to work with it. Um, and are you familiar with financing for entrepreneurs in Holland these days? In other words, does it work similarly to here, or are there any differences that would be interesting for people to learn from? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if, if, if anyone wants to start up a company, um, you either do it with your own money, or you go to the bank and get a loan. It's fairly simple. Uh, there is no equity participation. Yeah, we don't do angel investors uh, much in that sense. Um, so yeah, it's fairly straightforward. So you are venture capitalist as mm-hmm. well. And there, there is some of that, of course. Yes, absolutely. But I think it plays a, a, a less prominent role than it does in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, my experience is in Germany, and there, there is a lot of old family money. Mm-hmm which in some ways is good because it supports the middle shot, mm-hmm. the mid-sized mm-hmm. However, it's not as dynamic an environment where you have companies spinning off other companies bringing new money. It sounds like the Netherlands may be more similar to Germany than the It possibly is, yes. I would imagine so. Now, you already mentioned a couple of the advantages of investing in the Netherlands being a distribution center. Are there any other advantages to the Netherlands being a home base or headquarters location within Europe? Um, 
for the proximity of the clients, um, it's uh, you know, Schiphol uh, Airport is a very, a very uh, great way to link with uh, anywhere in Europe, anywhere in the world, really. Um, the, 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 the port of Rotterdam uh, is the biggest port in Europe, and not until recently, one of the biggest ports in the world, of course, uh, overtaken now by uh, a number of Asian ports. Um, but still, it's a huge, huge port. Um, it's, it's all to do with the location of the Netherlands, the labor market, the uh, multilingual um, uh, labor, uh, possibility of labor, of course. Um, so, yeah, that's what the other main issue And drilling down to a few more. Now, I know European countries have a reputation for high taxes. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, what are the corporate and personal tax rates in Holland these days? And how do they compare with your neighboring countries? The, the, the corporate tax uh, uh, is, is something, uh, what, I, what I mentioned earlier, it's a, uh, an advantageous uh, tax climate. Um, that we really feel to attract international business, we want to make sure that companies are not put off by a high tax regime. Um, so it's a fable, the fable, uh, like I said, there's a fable tax treaty between them and the US uh, and the rest of the world. Um, the personal income tax is a different issue. Um, at the top, you can pay 52%, which, which scares people here in the US. And I, I, I know, I can see why. Uh, but it's a, it's a progressive scale. Yeah, it started, uh, I think, 37.5% over the first, uh, I don't know from the top of my head, but uh, let's say the first 17,000 euros. And there's, there's a bottom bit, you don't have to pay over, of course. But let's say between 5,000 and 17,000 euros, something like that, you pay 37.5%. Then over the next portion, it's 42.5%. And the next portion is 52%. So that's only the top margin of your... And then we're talking everything above 50,000 euros is taxed that bit over at 52. Um, that doesn't necessarily uh, apply to uh, foreigners working in the Netherlands because then there's a, a favorable tax treatment again and I'm not 100% familiar with it. I'm, I know some foreign friends and businessmen in the Netherlands who fall under that ruling that there's a 30% ruling before, I think. I'm not sure if it's still in place. But um, the corporate tax structure is, is made to be as favorable as possible for companies investing in the Netherlands and very competitive. And so all these countries look at each other. Uh, the Belgians see that we reduce the, the corporate tax and then they do as well as then the Swiss do, so do we. So, so it's, it's, I think it's probably comparable to surrounding countries. Okay. And another issue that I think American firms are curious about with Europeans is ending relationships. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you have a relationship with a distributor or a dealer or an employee, how difficult is it to end that relationship with that person or that organization? Um, I think we could um, devote a whole hour to that <laughs> and probably longer because um, people are... It, it, it's one of those uh, things that people talk about is, oh, you, once you've signed someone up with a contract, you can't get rid of them. Um, it's not completely the case, um, but I think it's probably something that 
is more of a urban myth than 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 reality. It's not as it's it's not as easy as it is in the US. That's fair enough. I mean, I see people in my building here. They'll walk up with their boxes and I've heard stories of someone. So you don't have to come back tomorrow. That sort of thing. That's not the case in the Netherlands, and that's not the case in most of Europe. Uh, it is all very similar, really. Um, but it's not impossible. But you might have to work a little bit harder for it. So it's 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 not something that is really a problem. I think. Not to be personal or or asking to say anything uh, to the disadvantage of your country, but are there any disadvantages in working with the Dutch? For example, it's a relatively small country. Mm-hmm. If you want a large home base, the Netherlands wouldn't make sense because there's a small home market. Mm-hmm. You already mentioned that it's a low-lying country, and maybe from a distribution perspective, are there any issues? If you have stuff that's water-related that, that might get into the distribution center and just gets wet more mm-hmm. Are there any other disadvantages to working with the Dutch or Dutch companies? Um, I'm obviously not paid to tell you this, but um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest and open. Um, no, there's not, nothing really that I can think of. Um, I think the, uh, the important thing to look for is the difference in culture. Um, whereas we we all think in the Netherlands that uh, we are very similar you come to the US for the first time and you see all the buildings and the the places and the the images that you know from films and television I know but it is different it is different and even I I know with Brits that for them they feel there is a very close connection of course and there are many Brits who, uh, after a while, realize, no, it is different, right? It is very different. Um, and that is something uh, that, that sometimes becomes a disappointment and sometimes uh, makes it not work for them. Uh, but the, the real challenge is, is, that, really, is to look into the country, look into the culture, and try and understand and adapt. Uh, and then I don't think you will have any problem dealing with the Dutch, other than that the Dutch have a trade always wanting to be, uh, wanting to tell the rest of the world how to do things. Um, uh, there's this image of uh, someone with a, with a finger in the air, waving it and, and telling someone, uh, we like to preach, we like to preach our, our uh, that's, uh, that's the advice. But, um, that that comes, that stems from a, from a tradition of being an open country, uh, always been influenced and always been a, a safe haven for whether it was Huguenots many hundreds of years ago or even refugees nowadays. Um, we, we are open to the world. It sounds like it goes a little bit back to the history, what, two, three, four centuries ago with explorers going throughout sure. the rest of the world and, and trying to instruct the heathens mm-hmm. uh, in the Yeah. Now into a couple of other Topics. Um, I understand you are the leader of the local trade commissioners association. What's important for local readers to know about that in a business context? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I currently serve as uh, the chairman of the Chicago International Trade Commissioners Association, CITCO uh, for short. Um, it's a group of uh, professionals, uh, people like me, who are based either out of a consulate 
or out of a trade commission. Each country organizes their, uh, their operations in a slightly different way, but we all do the same job, which means that we assist companies from our own countries to do business here. Um, we do it in a slightly different ways and uh, different services. Uh, one will, will get paid for their services, others give it for free, like we do. Um, but, but all in all, we do the same job. What we do, what ensures, I often give the answer, what people ask, what do you do? I'm a broker in contact. Um, that's the short answer. It basically means, like I described earlier, uh, we try and stay on top of a number of uh, markets or sectors that we, that we focus on. We have a network, we know what's going on, and as soon as we get an, an inquiry from a company for assistance, we can connect them. That's, that's our job. We connect people. And they will have to uh, hash out the deals themselves, of course, but we, we will assist them wherever we can. So that's what we all do. And 20 years ago, or uh, uh, many, many predecessors ago, uh, realized that um, me knocking on the door at the state level or any other level, um, well, it will open doors because you know, you're, you're foreign representatives and people want to talk to you and hear what you've got to say. But we realized by working together, we would be a more powerful group for um, an economic development group in Michigan or in Ohio or in Illinois or wherever. We would be more of interest to them uh, because we present ourselves as a reverse trade mission. So we've recently been to Detroit in January to the North American Auto Show. Uh, we were there at the invitation of the BTO Chamber of Commerce uh, for a day and a half. And we had 15 countries there. 15 representatives of different countries. But, and I guess just to be clear, some people might not know what a trade mission is and then what a reverse trade mission is. So the, the, the trade mission would be that you would have, let's say, Michigan in this case, uh, would go to uh, on a trade mission to a foreign country or a number of foreign countries uh, to connect to, to matchmake, to find out, to with the partners, and also they take a number of companies with them. And, and try and drum up trade and make connections. Um, it's, it's an expensive venture, it's time consuming, and a lot of planning in this. So, what happens here is here we have a group of 42 members representing 35 countries um, which are happy to come to you. So, if the program uh, is of interest to members, um, they will join up, they pay, they pay their own way, they pay their own hotel. All we ask for is that once we end up somewhere in Midwest, most of us probably in Midwest, that the group of invited, the host, will show us around. Because you know, that's what we do. We want, we want to hear from them, we want to learn from them, what are the opportunities, what are we looking for. So we do company visits, there are business, uh, business receptions with. Uh, local business leaders, uh, leaders from the state, from the, from the city, from companies, the business community all together. And we just bring information. It's, you know, it's been many times that we've been somewhere and there's this person who wants to talk to my Ukrainian colleague because he's got a connection or he's thinking of going to the Ukraine. Or he asks me about, what well, oh, I'm looking for a distributor in the Netherlands. Or, or do you, can you hook me up with so-and-so? Um, so that's, that's really an important uh, sort of function of SIFTA is to go out there and learn. Uh, we could do all that on an individual basis, but you know, again, we, it opens doors 
to a larger community if you come with 15 or 20 countries. At the local level, um, we also, I arrive in town as a new trade commissioner. You don't know anyone, you don't know where to go initially. And the first thing that happens is, now, with Sitka, my first book of call, my first week here, four years, four and a half years ago, was the then chairman of Sitka. And I introduced myself, and I said, self, I'm from I'm from the Netherlands, how does it work, you know, any question you might have, straight related, uh, if you need any connections, if you need to introduce to someone, come, and we'll do it. So we share resources, we share networks. And I do that now, I've been here for a number of years, and my South African colleague a while ago uh, had a trade mission coming in from South Africa, and he needed to be connected in a number of fields that he hadn't connected himself yet. So we were able to say, okay, speak to so-and-so, speak to so-and-so, we introduced him to a number of people, and that's how it works. Now, but it also sounds like you may compete with some of your colleagues from time to time, or yeah. how does that work itself out? Well, so the market as such is huge. Yeah. So, yes, we all realize that we're competitive. Um, and certain countries are more in competition with certain countries than others. Um, but to give you an example how it can work out really well, uh, two years ago we were invited to come uh, to go and visit the headquarters of McDonald's. So we went out there with about 20 people, and we got presentations on their operations, on their distribution, and that sort of thing. Now, I was interested because I was talking to a Dutch company who has, who has a contract with McDonald's in the Netherlands to process all the behind-the-counter organic waste, all the, all the cardboard, all the paper, all the oils, and they actually make renewable energy out of that. It's a waste management sort of thing. Um, and a road of um, One of my Asian colleagues uh, was very interested because, to go there and make a connection with McDonald's because he had toy manufacturers who were interested in supplying McDonald's with toys for the happiness. So you see that from different perspectives, there are different connections possible. Um, now I also thought that. You're from the kingdom of the Netherlands. But my understanding is you have a queen, and she's more of a figurehead, and you have a parliamentary democracy. So is there anything that's important about being from the kingdom of the Netherlands? Um, the queen, the king, uh, it's, it's a kingdom. Uh, there is no such thing as a queendom. Wow. Um, so it, the name is the kingdom of the Netherlands. That means that he's a, a, a monarch at the, head, at the head of state. Um, which uh, many centuries ago was the ruler and, and uh, decided over everything. But being in a parliamentary democracy, of course, we have uh, we have elections, we have political parties in our parliament, we form a government, and they really uh, make policy and make laws and enforce them and all that sort of thing. Uh, the, the role of the queen is head of state, so any foreign head of state visiting is always visiting the queen and she represents the Netherlands when she goes on a foreign visit, of course. Um, her um, her counter-signature is... Her signature is uh, is needed on uh, any uh, royal decree which brings appointments about or uh, law, or puts something in law, but it's always countersigned by the responsible minister of a particular department. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
and, and I have been to the Netherlands on Queen's Day. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing the Queen, though. A lot of other queens have <laughs> not the queens themselves, if I remember. Um, that's, that's, that's quite possible. You saw a lot of queens. Um, there's, there's a few of them about, and uh, they, they are part of our society that celebrates the Queen's Day. It's our national day, as it say. What the 4th of July is for, for the U.S. is, is the Queen's Day for the Netherlands. Um, it was actually, uh, it, it's, a, it's a public holiday on the 30th of April, every year where we uh, celebrate with, with street markets, with lots of parties, with concerts, with, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Amsterdam is uh, particularly famous uh, where, where you know, along the canal, anyone can sit out, any child, any person, and you see that often, they sit out with a blanket in front of their house and they put all their stuff that they want to sell. And you know, there is no... Um, there's no issue of uh, being forced to have a permit or that. it's a free for all that day to sell your wares and to set up a fun fair and that sort of stuff. And it, it, it's a fantastic holiday. Uh, what we do, what we do here or abroad is that we, we do the consulate or the embassy celebrated as well uh, with a reception, a national day reception where on the one hand we invite all our local contacts from the state and the city and official contacts uh, and on the other hand uh, you get uh, all Dutch people are uh, invited to come along for free and uh, in some countries where there is a large Dutch community it will be by invitation only but in Chicago where we have a number of thousands uh, it's, it's, uh, any Dutch person in town is, uh, is invited to come along and then drink Dutch beer and Dutch herring Sounds good. Although, I mean, I wasn't aware of the mercantilistic part of Queen's Day. I didn't notice that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I did see a lot of the festivities. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I guess just to wrap up with a couple of personal things. How were you educated and trained before you came here to the States? Um, we, um, I've been with the Foreign Service uh, for 27 years. And uh, which means that you, you get to, uh, to travel around the world, you work in different, different countries, different, um, different places. So and what different postings have you um, I've been uh, on a short-term posting to Brussels in Belgium. Uh, I've been in Jakarta, Indonesia, uh, Nairobi in Kenya, and uh, Chicago. And yeah, I've been on short-term things in, in, in former Yugoslavia for a couple of weeks over there. But that wasn't a real posting as such, it was just helping out setting up something. Um, but so every, let's say, four years, three to four years, you move to another job, another place, and another culture. And it could be in The Hague, where I have courses, of course. And we roughly have half of our staff in The Hague, as the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and half of our staff is spread all over the world in about 150 different missions uh, around the globe. Um, 27 years with one employer sounds a long time. And that's often what people say, wow, that doesn't happen often. And, yeah, but you have to realize that uh, every three to four years, you go to a different country, you work with different people around you, you work in a different culture, in a different language, um, you work in different fields. You know, now I do trade and culture. Uh, before this, I was in the HR department. And before that, I was doing consular and visa immigration and management, running the embassy. Um, before that, I, you know, it, it goes on and on and on. So uh, the beauty is you change jobs, 
within the same organization, which, which makes it, uh, keeps it very interesting. Yeah, and I guess to contrast that, my understanding of the U.S. government, you know, they do intensive language training, and obviously your English is very good before you came here, but uh, before going to Jakarta, Indonesia, and Nigeria, did you get language training for those countries as well? Uh, Nairobi, in general, yeah. Um, and and, and for the going to Indonesia, we, we got language training, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to Kenya, it wasn't really necessary because it's either Swahili or, or English, and English is a, is a, is a main language, yeah, so that wasn't a problem with that. So it depends a little bit which country you go to, uh, whether, whether you get the language training. And what, what we also do, <coughs> sorry, uh, what we also do is um, before you go to any place, you get an intensive uh, briefing program, uh, which consists of going to the particular departments that deal with your country. Uh, going to the departments that deal with the uh, issues in your country. So, in my case, uh, I went to the Foreign Trade Agency, I went to the Western Hemisphere Department, uh, I went to the Cultural Ministry, and the unique, unique counterparts that you will be dealing with once you're at post. Okay. okay. I guess just to finish up, um, obviously your English is great. Do you speak any other foreign languages, and has learning those languages helped you or has it hurt you if you didn't learn to walk Um Well, my main language is English, uh, which is partly true, uh, mostly really, because my wife is British. Um, <coughs> we speak English at home, we have three children who go to British school here. Wow. <coughs> we go to British school here in Chicago. Um, so we're, in that sense, from a family sense, we're very British oriented. It sounds like you speak English with a little bit of a British accent. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, 20 years of pillow talk will do that to you. So, um, having learned other languages, uh, because English is so prominent, uh, especially being here for the last four and a half years in the U.S., of course, um, it, it is it is almost in, uh, difficult to know in French or in German. Or, um, I, I do speak a little bit of those, but I've never really focused on, on those other languages. And so that's speaking for you. Uh, it, it didn't hurt me. But you pick up, and Indonesian as well, you pick up enough to get by in, in everyday life, and uh, which, which is fun, which is fun, because it does give you, learning the language does also give you an in, insight into the culture of the people. Very good. Well, thank you very much for the discussion. Thank you.